Well, if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 1 again. And I'm just going to go ahead and give a short review from last week. We started a brand new series that is a little bit different. It's going to be somewhat of a combination of a topical series on a theme as well as expositional. We're going to be going through the Gospel of John primarily and looking at one theme, which is God being our Father. And so I was thinking about, in terms of the Philippian series, how many themes there were and how easy it is to lose some of them in going through verse by verse throughout the whole book and thinking in terms of John for sure, who knows how long it would take us to go through the whole Gospel of John. But there's one big theme that really has been sticking out to me, which is God being our Father. And we talked about that and introduced that. And it really is an emphasis in John. And rather than going through the whole book and emphasizing that when we get there, I think it would be good, and that's the plan, to go through the Gospel of John, and touch on the passages that highlight God being our Father, and then pull in, of course, other passages from the New Testament. And so we just talked last week only about one main point, which was that Jesus came to show us and to teach us that God is our Father. That was what we talked about last week. He actually, that's one of the things he came to do, and he promised to continue to do it. And so we can have confidence We can have confidence as we go through this series and in our lives personally and as a church that God wants to show us because he promised he would continue to do that actually repeatedly, John 16 and and John 17. So Christ promised to show us the Father through the Spirit. And so we're leaning on that promise last week and this morning as as we go through this. The other thing that I might mention is this Throughout this series, the sermons are probably going to be a little bit shorter because I'm going to try and just hit one thing, and a lot of times it's a big thing that you almost need just time to chew on, just one truth. And so they'll be a little bit shorter, and I'm going to try and involve you guys more like we did last week, ask some questions. And so to begin this week, before we read the text in John chapter 1, I kind of clued you in last week that I'm going to ask you a question. And so... That was all review, and here we are this week in John chapter 1. And to begin to understand John's prologue and its introduction, and God, through John the writer's introduction to God as Father, we need to understand where they're coming from. The context in which this is being spoken and in which the life of Jesus was lived, which is the Old Testament coming from the context of just having the Old Testament, of growing up in first century Israel. And John and Jesus were both speaking primarily into a context where people had deeply ingrained views about God, about who God is, through the Old Testament, and that's good. And the Jewish people to whom Jesus ministered were familiar with the Old Testament and its depiction of God. And to say anything new about God was a really big deal. A really big deal. 
And you can see in the New Testament as you read through it, when something is being said, you can see behind the scenes in people's minds, they're trying to fit this into the Old Testament. They hear something and they think, okay, well, how does that fit into the Old Testament? Which is good. But for us to understand what's going on here when Jesus and John, when he wrote his gospel, are teaching about God being our Father, we have to kind of put ourselves back into the Old Testament context and think, what would, how would we hear this? To give an example from the New Testament, if you just jump over a couple of verses in John chapter 1 to verse 21, you see the Jewish people trying to do this, trying to fit these new things being said into the Old Testament context. This particular example is not about God being our Father, but it's a good example in general of what they were trying to do. So John one twenty one says, when John came baptizing, which was something very rare and very different, um, exceed, something exceedingly rare in the Old Testament, so here he comes baptizing, and this is what they said. Chapter 1, verse 21. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither Christ, the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And so you see this conversation is, look, you're doing this strange new thing, baptizing, which, like I said, is rare, rare in the Old Testament. And baptism for repentance is totally rare. Um, and they're having this conversation, well, then you, are you Elijah? Well, are you the prophet? Are you the Christ? And he's giving back verses. No, I'm fit in, I don't fit into those passages. I fit into this passage about preparing the way of the Lord. And so you see this conversation going on, and it makes sense that they want to do that because they don't want to deviate from the Old Testament. They don't want to worship a different God. They don't want to accept a false prophet. And so in that context, let's think about God being our Father. And so here's a question I want to ask you and get some feedback from you on. First question is just a yes or no question. And then I'll have a follow-up. Is God's fatherhood taught in the Old Testament? Is God's fatherhood taught in the Old Testament? Okay. Actually, it's a good good question. Uh, because if you said yes, you were right. And if you said no, you were right in another way too. <laughs> so that's a safe question. Yes, it is. And in another way, no, it's not. So I could understand you answering either way. Now, here's the second question. Where? Where? Can you think of any verses? Um, any verses? And I actually warned you this is coming so you could Google it or whatever you wanted to do. Say it again. Yeah, you want to... You um, Isaiah 64. Do you want to read it? Do you have it pulled up there? Um, I have a little cheat sheet here myself trying to go for it.
maybe let me read that so I don't know maybe just in case people on the online could so they could hear that sorry I should have done it I I shouldn't have asked you to read it. I didn't think about the the zoom I'll read that and then you tell me your next one Isaiah 64 a but now O Lord you are our father we are the clay and you're our potter we are the work of your hand 64 8 okay go ahead Lance Yep. 16. I'll read that. For you are our father, Isaiah 63, 16. For you are our father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer, from of old is your name. Any others? There's not very many, actually. Yes, there are. There are a lot that say sons. There, there are, yeah, there are a lot. There's, I actually was wondering if anyone, I thought I got all of them. I don't know if I did, but they all fit on one page. So um, I'm, I was wondering, am I, did I miss any? Um, and if I did, great, I can add it to my chart. But I thought I got all of them, and so he, um, well, does anyone else have any more verses? There's, there's actually quite a few more. I don't know where it's found. Yes. I remember, I will be to them a father, and they will be my sons. Okay. Um, there, yeah, that's, there's a couple that could, that sounds similar to that. Um, let's see here. This is kind of similar to that. This is Deuteronomy 131. Uh, And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Um, There's another one kind of talking about how he's going to be their father. Sounds somewhat similar to what you said. Uh, Malachi 2.10 Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Any others? Jeremiah 31 9. I'll read that one. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Somebody else have one? I thought I heard some. Psalm 103.13. I actually don't have that one on my chart. So I'm going to write that. Well, I'll do it later. But um, I'm going to have to look that up, which is good. Psalm 103.13 As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Good. Yeah, that's good. No, we haven't hit that one yet. Psalm 68.5 Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. 
That's a good one. Deuteronomy 32, 5 and 6. Uh, they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children, because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? Right. Directly, but um, it says, "Thus says." I mean, he's talking to Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord: Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Yep. There's one more um, before we kind of wrap this part up that I, I would definitely want to hit, and it actually is repeated. It's the most repeated passage about God being our Father in the Old Testament. It referenced um, the most times, and it's found in quite a few different verses. So let's just look at two of them really quick here. And it's actually a kind of a promise slash prophecy to David. And so it's found a couple places. Let's read in First Chronicles 22. You want to flip there, First Chronicles twenty-two. This same wording is repeated in Second Samuel, First Chronicles, uh, and then again in the Psalms. So there's actually five places where this comes up, and then it actually comes up again in the New Testament. And so this this is significant here. First Chronicles twenty-two ten. So we're going to kind of jump in here towards the middle, but basically to set the context, David is saying that the word of the Lord came to him, saying about his offspring Solomon, he shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Then someone references, it seems like, that's uh, that promise, and I'll just read this one to you in Psalm 89. This is, he's talking about David. He says, He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth, and my steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm. So that is seems like a reference to that promise to David. Later on, he goes on in that psalm to say, "But it's not happening." You know, the 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 throne is in the dirt, basically. Where where is your promise? And so significant because we know that David's true son came, and he was the highest of the kings of the earth, the king of kings, and he did call God Father, and very much a fulfillment. And so. What I want you to notice here, as we look in all these, I, I kind of broke them down, all the references to God as Father, into just three categories. It may be an oversimplification, but that's what I did. And there's not very many, although I need to add one more, at least. There might be more that I missed. But God is directly called Father, called Father of Israel. That's this column right here. And um, then Israel's called Sons. 
I'd refer to as sons. That's over here. And then God is compared to a father, but not directly called father. Like, I'll be like a father. Um, and so that's just a few down here, and, and I missed one of those, at least. Um, and so there's not very many. At least I couldn't find very many. Um, just to, to compare, I couldn't fit the references of John 14 on this page. Okay, So this is the whole Testament. I, and if I did John 17 like this, I definitely could not. Um, because it might have a column of father on this side and then you referring to father on this side and it would probably need to be two or three pages long. So just one chapter in the New Testament could not uh, fit what the Old Testament was. And not only that, I want you to notice um, those categories. God is called a father to Israel and then specifically promised to David. Uh, Israel is called sons and then God is compared to a father. And what today I want to to talk about is get my notes in the right order here. I want you to notice the differences here in John chapter one here, this which is where we're going to be the rest of the time. John chapter one. We're going to talk about some of the similarities and the differences. We're going to skip a little bit here, but we're going to read the beginning and the end. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And skip down here to verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and he cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So we're going to think about this idea. What's different from the New Testament to the Old Testament? God being... A father is not totally absent from the Old Testament. God set the stage for revealing more in three ways. By comparing himself to a father, highlighting his fatherly attributes. God is like a father in many ways to Israel. Two, by showing that Israel failed to relate to God like a father. And so about half of those references were actually God calling out Israel for not treating him like a father. Saying, if I'm a father, then where's my honor? Things like that. So about half of the references to God directly as Father are, are rebukes, which sets up for Christ who would succeed where they failed. Right? The true Israel did relate to God as a Father perfectly. And then three, it set it up by actually prophesying. Uh, prophesying of the King of Kings of the line of David who would call God his Father. And Hebrews chapter 1 actually directly applies that to Christ. 
And so we know that, that he fulfills that ultimately. And so it does set up. The Old Testament sets us up for God being our father. But today I don't want to highlight how necessarily it sets it up. I want to highlight the differences. We thought about that. We talked about the Old Testament verses. You guys got a lot more than I thought you would. That was good. Um, very good. Mo- I think you got probably half of the ones I had down, which we don't have time to read all of them. But, but today I want to highlight one big difference between the Old Testament's view of God as Father and how John introduced God as Father. And here, here it is. This is a, really the one point I want to cover today in the different ways. But the one point is that God is Father apart from us. It is his very nature from all eternity. God is Father apart from us. It is his very nature from all eternity. It's one thing, it's one thing to say a person is like something. It's a very different thing to say a person is something, right? If I, I'll give you a silly example and then I'll give you a a biblical example. A silly example might be if I said my, my wife is as pretty as a flower. That's different than saying my wife is a flower. Okay, you see... Um, the difference there. The other is, a biblical example is, the Bible compares God to a strong tower. But if I prayed, or or we talked about God being a strong tower, and, and at the end I prayed, oh holy strong tower, you would say something to me afterwards, like, I don't know that you should say that. Like, God is like a tower, it compares him to a tower, but that seems wrong, because God isn't, he isn't literally a tower, he's a person. Okay? And so in the Old Testament, God is compared to a father. He's like a father. The New Testament is saying God is by nature a father from all eternity. One, in one sense, one, one is describing a relationship between two people. So if I say about someone, God is like a father to me, or so-and-so, No, let's not use God. Let's use a person. So-and-so is like a father to me. I'm describing our relationship, the relationship between me and him. If I say about someone, he's a father, I'm describing that person, who they are. And the Old Testament references to father are all relationship references. God is like a father to Israel. God will be a father to the offspring of David. It's not saying God is a father from all eternity by nature apart from any human being. But that is what John chapter 1 is saying. John chapter 1 is saying that God is by nature a father before any person ever existed other than himself, other than God. And that's who he is. It's his identity. That's amazing. If you ask an Old Testament saint, describe God's identity, they would not have said, God is Father. That's, that wasn't the core, the revealed core of who God is in the Old Testament. We couldn't see that yet. 
And the reason we want to point this out, I want to spend just today just talking about this, is the danger we're wanting to avoid in pointing this out is when we talk about God as Father, jumping right into our relationship with God. When we say God the Father or God's fatherhood, I don't want us, and the Bible, John chapter 1, doesn't want us to immediately think God's a Father to me. It starts out by introducing God as Father before anything ever existed. God as Father apart from any human being. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Before anything ever existed, there was God, with God. And what is that like? Well, we know that he, he's introducing it slowly, but when he gets down to verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So we see the Word was Jesus, and he's the Son, the God, he, God was with God, that was the Son with the Father. This is a deep relationship between the Father and the Son. So deep that that's the name of God now. We call Jesus God the Son. We call the Father God the Father. And that's not just because they relate to us in that way, it's because that's who they were for all, for all eternity. Becoming God's child is entering into a pre-existing relationship that existed before all eternity. We're not jumping into this relationship with God and suddenly God became a father when he adopted Israel or when man was created. God was always a father. So we don't, the danger we're trying to avoid in highlighting this is when we think God is father, we first think about who he is and the relationship within the Trinity before we think about putting ourselves in there. Does that make sense? That's the one big point I want to highlight, and I'm going to talk about little different facets of that. So Jesus came so that we could know more about God's nature. This is the second thing. It's kind of, I guess you could call it a sub-point on our first point. Jesus came so we could know this. We, Jesus came so we could know this new thing about God's nature, which is that God is Trinity, but specifically that God is Father, Jesus is Son, and that he came to send the Holy Spirit. All new from the Old Testament. We, didn't, we saw hints, but we could not see clearly the Trinity as described here in John chapter 1. That's amazing. We as Christians reading John chapter 1 know something about the nature of God the Old Testament saints didn't know. And it's a mind-boggling topic, really. What was it like for God to be with God from all eternity? Do you think you could comprehend, much less describe what it's like for God, for one person of the Trinity to relate to the other person of the Trinity from all eternity when there was nothing else? An eternal relationship, God with God? Can we who are finite know what uh, an infinite God is like when he relates to the other person of the Trinity? What is God's fellowship with God like? It's, it's mind-boggling. But it's amazing. Does that sound like an easy topic to understand? I want you to describe what it was like for God to be with God before anything else existed. What if I said this to you? 
Was it, what was it like for God to be like God to be with God from all eternity? What if I said, I'm going to briefly ex- describe to you what it was like for God to be with God before everything existed. I'm going to just describe what that relationship was like. It will only take a minute or two, and you will understand it very well when I am done. Does that sound crazy? <laughs> the crazy thing is, it's true. That is true. We can know what God being with God is like, and it's not because I can explain it. It's because the Word became flesh and told us what it's like for God to be with God. It's the only Son at the Father's side. That's what it's like for God to be with God, for a Father to be with a Son. No wonder God is love, if it's, that's what it's like for God to be with God, a Father with His Son. What's the nature of the Father? Certainly love is an essential component. To be a father is to love. To be the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. But the amazing thing about thinking about what it's like for God to be with God and for us to understand it is God has created us in such a way that we all have a Father. We're all a child of a Father. God created every person to be born having a Father and being a child of that Father. And having a father and being a child of that father gives us insight into what it's like for God to be with God. Father and son. Father and daughter. Father and child. It's amazing. We can read these verses and know what it was like for God to be with God because God designed the world that way. And he designed it so deeply that even people that don't have a good relationship with their father know it shouldn't be that way. They feel they're missing something. Why? Because deep in their heart, they know a father should be like this and my dad's not. What does that mean? It means deep, deep, deep down at the core of who you are, you know what it means to relate to a father. Even when you don't have one. Even when people who missed out on one, on a parent, they have, a, they have kind of a hole in their heart. It's amazing, really, even for you and for me in terms of our culture, who I am, even the name I call myself, Andrew Turner, my very identity comes with my relationship with my father. That's who I am because my dad... My dad was, his last name was Turner, so my last name's Turner. My middle name's also my dad's middle name, and his dad, and his dad before that. And all this was designed. All this was not an accident. God made the world so we could know him, and he made it so you have a father. Whether you know him or not, you know something of what it means for God to be with God. We know what it means. We can't explain it. Not, we don't know, understand it exhaustively, but you deeply, deeply know what it means to have a father and what a father should be like, what the relationship between a father should be like. And so when we say God is father and God is son, you don't know exhaustively what it means for God to be with God, but you know deeply. And that's amazing that we can understand it at all. The word father is a great word, isn't it? 
we come to the New Testament and we hear something new about God and we hear a new name for God and it's the word Father, that's a good word. It could have been a lot of other words. We're thankful. I'm thankful that it's the word Father. I'm going to read you a quote that kind of what I just spent 15 minutes or whatever trying to explain. Just, um, Carl, Carl Barth, a uh, Christian writer from World War II era, says this, It is not that there is first of all human fatherhood and then a so-called divine fatherhood, but just the reverse. True and proper fatherhood resides in God and is from this fatherhood that we know as fatherhood among us, as that we know what fatherhood among us is derived. So he's saying it's not fatherhood here first and then God condescending and saying, I'll be like this relationship you have down here. It's just the opposite. God was a father and he made the world and he made fathers. He made us to have fathers. Last thing here I want to highlight today on this same topic. When God says, I'm going to just summarize here, this is the last point. When God says we can be his children and he our father, he is saying he will bring us up infinitely high to experience the fellowship in the Trinity between God the Father and God the Son. He's not saying he's going to condescend to be like a warm personal relationship that you have already. He's saying that he's going to bring us up into the relationship that the Son had with the Father. You see the difference? It's, it's amazing. What an honor that we, when we say God is Father to us, what we're really saying is we're entering into something that Jesus, God himself, had with the Father from all eternity. Now, just briefly, this is, this is a kind of, um, it's not immediately necessarily practical in terms of obvious how you're going to apply this. But it's really important because we're setting a foundation that is extremely applicable. And so let's just talk about that. How, how is it applicable? Our sonship and God's fatherhood to us are, are derivative or are, are we're, we're pulling from Jesus' sonship when we become sons. It's not something new that God is doing. It's something that's always been and we're entering into it. Why is that important? Why is it important that we're actually receiving Jesus' sonship and understanding that God was father before us, before anything? What does it mean for God to be our Father? We don't want to immediately think about our relationship with God. We want to look to Jesus. Whatever it means for God to be our Father, we don't look at ourselves and our relationship with God. We look to Jesus and His relationship with the Father. We start with something outside of ourselves: God, by nature, Father, and Jesus, His Son, from all eternity. And it's, it is practical because I'll give you an example. What if you struggle to believe that God is interested in your life? What if you struggle to believe God loves you or cares for you? What if you struggle to believe God is, is not disappointed in you? He's not watching for you to fail so he can punish you. What if you struggle to believe God is near, not distant? What if you struggle to believe God is trustworthy? And more, all these things in, in a sense that are 
part of being a father. The father, a father is near. A father is not looking out for his kids to fail so he can pounce on them. God really does love the father, really does love his children. But when, if you're struggling to believe any of that, you don't start with looking to your relationship with God. You look away from yourself to Jesus' relationship with the Father because that's what you are entering into. Does Jesus love the Father? Yes. Does the Father love Jesus? Absolutely. And so you look away and you say, what if Jesus was in this situation? When Jesus, this is as crazy as it sounds, when Jesus was struggling in the garden, right, with God's plan, he's struggling. He has... It's difficult. He's saying, I would rather not go through this. Was God looking down disappointed at Jesus? Did God love Jesus a little less because he had sorrow? Was God the Father waiting um, distant or was he near? You know deeply and, and quickly the answer to all those is God was near. God does love Jesus. Now here's the thing. If you know that God's fatherhood is primarily the father to the son, the father to Jesus, you can know that God loves me that way because that's how God loves Jesus. God is near to me not because something I've done, because I know God's near to Jesus. I know God loves Jesus. I know God's pleased, the father's pleased with Jesus. I know the father is not withholding his nearness. The father's not cold. The father's whatever it is you're struggling to believe, I know it's true for Jesus, and then you can know, well, then it's true for me, because that's the sonship I have. And so that's why it's practical. We have to know deeply this other sonship first, before we talk about our sonship, because that's the sonship we're entering into. Think about some of these verses, and then we'll close. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. John fifteen nine. If you know something about the relationship between the Father and the Son, that's what informs you about your relationship with God, His love towards you. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father Himself loves you. God loves you. It's not just Jesus going to the Father for you. God himself, the Father, not just Jesus, the Father himself loves you. And you can go to him, talk to him, pray to him. And if you know the intimacy, the love between the Father and the Son, you can know when I go, when I pray, that's how God is hearing my prayers. And so just to summarize, the reason, it's, the reason this is so different from the Old Testament is because it's not just saying God is like a father. It's saying God is by nature a father. That's who he is from all eternity. The reason that's important for us is because when we think about God as father, we don't start with ourselves and God. We look at the son and the father, and we think about that. We have to start there because that's what we're entering into. That's the sonship we're getting. We're not getting some unique sonship between me and the father. I'm getting the son, Jesus' sonship to the father. That's the sonship I have. And so this is brand new in the New Testament, radical, different, amazing, and wonderful that we can know God as Father. And when we say God is Father, 
we know that deeply because God made the world that way so that we could know. So let's pray together. Father, we do just look to you and pray that you'd help us. It is mind-boggling to think about you and your nature and you from all eternity, but we want it um, to be real to us. We want it to be clear. I pray that we wouldn't, um, I wouldn't make it more complicated than it really is. I pray for anyone here that's just struggling. Maybe I didn't apply it very well to their life. Would you help? Would you help them just to see on their own what it means that you can be a father to them? And that that, we thank you, Father, that our sonship isn't something that we earn or build or, or anything like that, but it's Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you would even share sonship at all with us, that you died to purchase it for us. And uh, we just want more of you in our life. Jesus and Father and Spirit. We just ask for help this week. We want to honor you. Pray this would make an impact in our life, in our thinking. We hand it all to you and we thank you. Amen.